0: that's the other thing as well. Still keep delighting them with content, Content even when they're um, onboarded. Um, you, know, you still want to be um, getting that right content out to them at the right time.
1: B2B has the potential to be electrifying, but the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas, it's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us, As we uncover and explore the truth with leading b2b marketers this is b2b marketing the provocative truth hello and welcome to b2b marketing the provocative truth i'm benedict and today i'm joined by sam schrager who is head of marketing at bcb group sam very warm welcome to the podcast
0: thanks benny delighted to be here thank you
1: now as i always say i won't have done justice with that Very, very brief introduction, so it would be great for the benefit of those tuning in if you'd give a little bit of an introduction to yourself and maybe some context around BCB Group.
0: Yeah, sure. So I've been head of marketing here at BCB Group uh, for the last three and a half years. Um, we are a payment services provider in the blockchain and crypto space. So providing payments infrastructure for companies who struggle to get that for regular traditional institutions. Um, previous to that, I was actually at a blockchain investment and advisory called NKB Group. She took BCB seed round. So overall, I've been in crypto for about five and a half years now, which is uh, a long time because crypto years are pretty much like dog ears. Who knows?
1: <laughs> I mean, they really are. And you, you obviously saw that incredible sort of rise of crypto and the slight check shall we say that maybe we've seen in the past uh, past year or so which is i mean fascinating in itself and we probably could do a podcast about that but today we're going to be talking more about marketing um and specifically we're going to be looking at um content and clearly for b2b marketing especially Content is a huge part of um, what you do. It's a huge part of engaging with your audience. It's a huge part of positioning what you're about. And it's a huge driver of credibility and authority. Um, But the provocative truth is, and I think this is where I'd like to sort of start our conversation, is that so many businesses are actually wasting time and money on their content because they don't really understand what it is that their audience are looking for. And also, I think further to that as well, they're not putting the right level of investment into that content creation. So actually, it often just falls flat. Is that something you agree with?
0: Yeah, 100 um, percent. It's really interesting that you say that, actually. I think it's really a case of always getting back to before you start on any content strategy or putting anything out there, you've got to think, why are we doing this? Just what mm. what is the why behind that? And really sort of get to the nitty gritty of uh, what what do we expect to see out of it as well? What What's our target and how are we going to measure it? Um, we've done a lot of work internally on sort of buyer personas, um, really sort of understanding what our audience are after, what pain points they have. And we sort of try and weave that into our content strategy, be it SEO, be it thought leadership. Mm everything we put out there to really try and address that um so that that's been really helpful to have that sort of foundation of a sort of research phase before sort of jumping into just bunging content out there which and there's let's be honest there's so much content out there nowadays on so many channels it's a, a case of being a, a lot more selective about what you do do and making it impactful and with that end goal in mind of to what you want to
1: achieve Excellent. And you you, I mean, you actually closed out with saying about you know what that end goal is. And you also sort of began your answer talking about sort of making sure we're really, really clear on the why. And, and I think as in from from experience, um, a lot of marketers actually can't answer that. If you're saying, well, why are you doing that content program? What's it actually trying to achieve? It's like almost you're doing content for content ends in and in itself, which is not the right way of approaching things. So I'd be really interested if you, you talked about how you'd you know, done that sort of work in terms of understanding your audience. But if you take it back that one step um, behind that, when it came to sort of assessing what your business was trying to achieve, and then deciding on a content program, which fitted that, what was the process you went through? What were the conversations you had with the business in order for you to sort of get to that stage?
0: So, I mean, that's a really important point as well, is to mm. make sure that everything you do is obviously aligning with the overall overarching mm. business objectives, because that's the thing as well. You can get way too caught up in uh, the, the little content bubble of, we, mm. we need to get stuff out there, we need to be doing this. And not only do you forget the why, but you forget, hang on, wh- where is the business going and mm. how are we making mm. sure we align with this? So be that product launches, be that going into different territories, regions, be that, uh, I, I don't know, uh, new strategies, et cetera, et cetera um it, it's really important that you're sort of showcasing those key themes across the year as well as making content work hard for things like building the brand building that credibility and authority that you spoke about earlier mm. building uh lead gen as well mm. so it's sort of weaving it all together to it's and you know quite a lot to it as well quite complex to make sure it's sort of hitting those targets that you want it to and supporting those business objectives
1: Absolutely. And I think, that again, I'm sort of talking a little bit from sort of personal experience of what I've observed that there there often isn't that sort of clarity on the exact objectives. And I think that that is definitely to the detriment of the effectiveness of of content programs that you do. Now, you then went on to speak about, you know, investing that time in terms of really properly understanding your your audience. And clearly, with content marketing, that is, by definition, an audience first approach. So when you went around developing those personas. What was the different bits of information that you gathered and how did you gather that to inform um, those audience personas?
0: Really good question, actually. So it's, it, because we've sort of grown as a business quite quickly over the past few years, um, we almost sort of were, were running before we could walk. So we had a a, a big sales team in place. Um, and although we sort of as a marketing team aligned very closely with them, obviously they've got their objectives and uh, uh, metrics and everything. And uh, we sort of, were, you know, were, we're trying to keep up with them and making sure we were fulfilling what they needed as well as the rest of the business as well, because we're very much sort of a, a cross-functional team here. Um, but it was really a case of making... Making sure we sat down with the sales team, really got them to work with us to understand exactly what our current clients look like and, and where they came from and what their journey was to get to us and all the questions that they asked along the way. And what competitors they looked at, for example, um, were they still looking at other competitors in the market? Again, as I keep saying it, what their pain points were. Mm. That's it's so important to us as a business because we're solving pain points. That's what we do, you know. So it's really important to get that over. But uh, really as well, sort of going back to tying that in with a, a, a general content strategy as well as an SEO strategy for lead mm. gen. Um, it's really that that sort of whole competitor research piece is something that we're quite focused on here too. Um, not only from the point of view it's always good to have an eye on the competition, but also to see what they're doing even in a content or an SEO space. So, what keywords are they targeting? Who who how are they drawing people in? And then you sort of can understand a little bit more about um, you, know, you know how you're getting your customers too. And I think it's very much sort of a bit of a an education thing as well, um, bringing that sales team or key stakeholders with you for them to understand, okay, content, uh, marketing, SEO, They're only just one part of the whole mix, really. It's all the other placements. It's everything else that we're doing, really. All those touch points that that buyer sees on their journey Mm -hmm. uh, to become ultimately a client, just to make sure that we're sort of, you know, ticking off as many of those as possible and making sure that they know us on their way. And then finally, Mm -hmm. you know, come through the door. And then still, that's the other thing as well. Still keep delighting them with content, content, even when they're um, onboarded. Um, You know, you still want to be... Um, getting that right content out to them at the right time about their you know, continuing mm-hmm. pain points, uh, FAQs that they may have with the system, all that type of thing. So it's it's a big old holistic program, I guess.
1: Well, I was going to ask more about SEO, and I probably will come back to that in a second. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually going to go off on a, a very brief tangent based on what you've just um, said there. And that's in terms of you talking around the customer journey and it sounds like you've done a lot of work about sort of really mapping out what that is understanding all of those different touch points um now am i correct in saying that therefore you had ownership over the customer journey within your organization um and if so do you feel that that is the right responsibility for marketing to have that overall ownership
0: that's an amazing question actually something that's much debated um here Mm. and has been throughout um As I said, we've grown very quickly as a business, and this was a conversation we probably had on a strategy day about two years Mm. ago. And that was really who owns the customer here? You know, is it is it sales? Is it customer success team? Is it marketing? You know, and that's at that point, um, we really it's become a little bit hackneyed now. But we really adopted the whole flywheel approach, Um, you know, the sort of thing that we pioneered by hotspot and really sort of trying to put the customer at the center of everything we do. We've done a lot of work on that internally. I think that's really helped to bring all the teams together to understand customers there. Doesn't matter you know, whatever point they are, we're all looking after them. We're not handing them off from mm. market to sales and then sales to customer success. We all work together to make sure that, that customers happy as Larry and actually therefore because they're so delighted with the content and the service and everything they then become that sort of evangelist for our services in the ecosystem and industry and beyond so come back I think we all own the customer and we all uh, we're a very customer-centric business mm. and that whole process of sort of Trying to pinpoint who does, but actually not coming up ultimately with an answer. In fact, we, we're all taking, um, you know, responsibility. Um, has, has meant that the, as I said, it's it's become a, an extremely customer centric business, and it's not who looks after who or who does what. It's like, well, we're all working to just keep that customers, you know, happy as can be. We we always really really pride ourselves on a high touch service. Um, from start to finish of the whole funnel really mm. so uh, that's that's uh sort of why it's been quite successful yeah. i think but it's, it yeah. has been quite a long process and as i say very much sort of bringing all the different um t- uh, teams across the company to sort of have that focus
1: well i think it's, it's that exercise of actually bringing it together and i mean to to be honest quite quite literally getting it down on a piece of paper in terms of understanding what that customer journey looks like i mean because the additional context that you know i'm in conversations with the the marketing team alan at the moment and you know we have a number of different customer journeys and they're not super integrated uh, and they're certainly not all sort of documented and mapped out in one sort of single sort of system and that's something which i've tasked the the marketing team is to actually look at that okay so For 2023, let's really focus on both integrating the customer journey but also giving marketing that responsibility for designing what that customer journey looks like now everybody has a role to play and everybody within the organization will be involved in different different parts but giving that sort of single point of ownership and oversight um i'm optimistic obviously if you speak to me again in six months i might have a different opinion it's going to make a really really big difference um so so next,
0: I, I, Alan, yeah. the marketing team are actually owning the customer then is that how it's perceived there
1: that's that's how we're, we're setting it up, yes. Now, look, there are, you know, different organizations will have different approaches, but I think that giving, you know, a, a person or, or, or a team that responsibility for bringing it together and then being a bit of an orchestrator of the sort of customer journey is what I'm, well, I'm betting on is going to sort of work out just because, you know, if, if someone has that accountability, then that should translate. And I think marketing more so than any other team really are in that position to take a slightly bird's eye view. Um, you know, they they can see things both from a you know inbound sort of perspective and outbound perspective. Um, so as I said, let's let's see where we get to in six months' time. But that's definitely what the focus is going to be um, for us. So anyway, I digressed, but a very very interesting digression. Um, anyway, but we we were talking about um, SEO, and I think there's SEO and understanding sort of search has a huge implication for understanding your audience um, in terms of what they are searching for, but also, as you really, really critically said, understanding from a competitive perspective, where should you be putting your focus? Where should you be putting your paid investment as as much as anything else? Um, if you were to just make an assessment of broader B2B marketing, what would you say is the level of understanding of proficiency of SEO?
0: Oh, um, I, I think... It's interesting because I um, so the, the way we work is we don't look after SEO internally. We have an external agency who, mm. who run it for us, who likes real experts in the field, um, and that's always been quite a successful model for us. Actually, from the point of view, we did at one point think should we should we bring it in house, but we found that the, the, the areas of specialism are so diverse across SEO. It's very good to have a top content writer, a, mm-hmm. a, a top tech SEO, and obviously digital PR looked after, you know, and and have those people doing it. And then you can sort of dial up or dial down the activity as required. Um, I think as, as, in B2B, I think it is often misunderstood um, and potentially the power of it as well. Um, I think a, a, a lot of people think that it's um, valuable for e-commerce sites and, and all that type of thing. Whereas, in fact, I mean, we, we've seen a huge amount of success with an SEO strategy. It took a lot of time to get buy-in here, um, again, because people thought we're a B2B business. Why, why would we mm. even think about SEO? But to ensure that it's i mean it is about lead gen it is a slow burn it's a long-term investment Mm. to ensure that your brand when again back to that sort of customer journey it actually you know when people are looking for you and searching for you and your brand or your content is coming up at the top of the search engine results pages is absolutely invaluable it's building credibility it's building authority it's building your presence you know um and it you know, it's it's as I said, uh, been incredibly successful us in t- in terms of, the sort of keyword rankings that we've had, a domain authority over the past year, and actually ultimately uh, lead gen and and um, you know visitors to the websites. It's uh, yeah. it's very successful.
1: Well, I mean, ultimately, it's a it's a key brand metric. You know, we we were historically familiar with share of voice, but share of search is equally, yeah. I think, um, important there. Now, you spoke there about sort of like the the makeup of the team and you talked about having um, a tech expert who's who's writing that content. And, And this is another sort of hypothesis I have is that too much of B2B content is either produced by people that understand the subject matter very well, but aren't very good writers or potentially are all right writers, but don't understand the subject matter. How much do you recognize that as a endemic issue within B2B?
0: Oh, so much. Um, So difficult. It's that balance the whole time. So we're really, really lucky as a business. We've got a wealth of expertise internally uh, across crypto, tech, finance, um, and it's fantastic. And everybody is obviously always happy to write content um, and we can sort of pull on that expertise. On the other hand, um, they don't have the time, the bandwidth, mm. and also they don't understand that, that the reason perhaps back to that why of why we're producing that content. So um, we try to sort of work with them on specific briefs to give them a little bit of structure to say, well, if, if you can sort of, uh, you know, involve these key terms, um, set it out in this way and that type of thing, that will actually, it's, it's, but then again, on the other hand, sometimes we'll get more of an SEO specialist to write our content mm. and that content just isn't good enough on a technical basis. Mm. So it's, it's it's very hard. The, and then um, sometimes the sort of the, the more technical writers internally won't understand that the tone for SEO, it helps, it's, helpful, it's a little more chatty, you know, not quite as formal. It's sort of different mm. levels. Um We've got a a bit of a a plan in place to sort of overcome that um, uh, and sort of a a, a crypto glossary that we're going to be introducing on our website soon. And a lot of the big crypto brands do this from Gemini, Copper, um, Crypto.com. And the plan behind that is to actually have sort of different levels of content, beginner, intermediate and advanced covering crypto, covering blockchain, covering DeFi, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So hopefully, then we cover off the sort of more basic language, the more basic pieces, but that highly technical piece as well, that makes us look credible. But at the same time, you want those other bits of content that are actually just doing that hardworking mm-hmm. SEO job behind the scenes. So just to, to tuck it away in a glossary uh, is, is going to be our approach. And as I say, a lot of other brands are doing it, and it's, it's pretty successful. Mm-hmm. But the, the trouble is, with content, every everybody thinks they can write great content. Um, you, you know what it's like, and uh, in actual fact, it's it's got to be hard working. Though it's got to do a job as well. So mm. it's as I say, getting that balance and trying to educate people a little bit internally to understand this is why we're doing it, and this is why it's got to be not quite exactly as you'd write it, but you know, getting them to understand that.
1: I think so. I mean, look, and uh, glossaries are, are quite a well. Quite a well-proven sort of tactic in terms of from that SEO perspective. And I think it's also interesting what you're saying there in terms of, again, just coming back to the why, because a lot of people do want to, you know, write a blog about something. And actually, why are we doing that? Is it really going to make a material difference? Um, And then when you often look at the metrics, um, it doesn't because it hasn't been executed in in the right way. Um, Just out of interest, how much does thought leadership sort of play a role within your sort of wider content program?
0: Actually, really important. Again, it's important Mm. for us to sort of uh, build that authority, credibility, I think, particularly in crypto, given the sort of uh, reputational thing that's Mm. ongoing ways in crypto it's really sort of important to have that sort of education balanced debate beyond the hype really um so we we sort of try to tie that into key things across the year and then get various uh sort of the uh, Xco c-suite in, in the business to work with us on those content pieces and those come out from from them as well as from our company pages because um i think it's very important to sort of to build their profiles and them to be seen as you know literally luminary mm. OGs in the industry again particularly in crypto it's so important because personalities are really big and actually if something gets posted for example on linkedin from our ceo or cco or somebody like that they'll mm. actually get a, a huge a, a lot more engagement than it would do company coming from the company page but that's because it's a personality and, and actually in fact that's really good as well so that's why mm. it's important to make sure that you're working with those people in the team to make sure that they're putting that content out regularly and the right content again. Um it's yeah, it's very successful. Good program.
1: And have you seen, I mean, again, I'm going off a massive tangent here, but I think it's, it is interesting you, you said there about how important personality is within crypto. And certainly that needs to be expressed within the content that you do. Have you seen a any sort of change or a bit of a a a sort of a maturity if you like over the past five years in crypto? Because crypto Probably to put it impolitely was considered to be a little bit of the Wild West, sort of the whole crypto bro sort of idea. But I think probably with some of the challenges which the industry has faced, has that sort of resulted in a degree more sort of professionalization in that sort of way of communicating? Um, Have you seen that sort of shift?
0: yeah definitely um i mean it was interesting i was sort of started in crypto back in the days of the icos mm. um and there was obviously a big shake down there a lot of bad press a lot you know all sorts of huge personalities were involved um it was almost like something out of a netflix series you know <laughs> almost unbelievable i think crypto has definitely matured as an industry and mm. in terms of this, all the communications absolutely um it's got a lot more mainstream um not only in terms of crypto and institutional adoption but actually mainstream as well in terms of the main um sort of media outlets talking about mm. it all the time i mean we're often asked for commentary in the ft bloomberg etc etc that didn't happen three years mm. ago really um, so a- absolutely. Um, I think it's an industry it's grown up and I, I think it's a lot more widely accepted now and, and more widely accepted as something that people, the man in the street, women in the street want to understand. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and um, I think as well, as it's grown up and um, there is sort of more... Uh, uh, measured um let's say individuals um so more from traditional finance as well as crypto natives who are a lot more respected rather than sort of those you know the the cowboys of, of yesterday
1: mm. <laughs> um, well that was great I mean, thank you for humoring my sort of digression there. I just thought it was it, it would be interesting to understand right. how that sort of communication style has has changed. Well I mean this has been a really, really interesting conversation, not least of which discussing the cowboys of crypto as we we just finished on there. Um, but before I let you go, um, we can't let you leave without asking what we call our house question, which was, when was the last time that you saw marketing that made you feel it in your guts, something that moved you on a deep emotional level?
0: This is such a great question. I've been umming and ahhing about what to say, and I, I, I'm not sure it's the most impressive answer, but I, I a, a marketing that I really, really love is Volvo. I, mm. I I love the way that they've totally moved away from any sort of um, performance marketing really into sort of big brand stuff like the you know the, the partnership with Sky Atlantic, the, mm-hmm. the partnership with uh, the, the product placement in movies and all that type of thing. I think just uh, uh, so I'm a Volvo owner myself and I've literally <laughs> recently bought one and it's actually prompted me. It's just that, that feel good thing of uh, they, I think they just totally get it right.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, well, they've got a, an amazing back catalogue of, you know, fantastic adverts. Whether it's the jean Claude Van Dam or sticking yeah. their CTO h- hanging from a crane of their Volvo sort of trucks, like it's some some great stuff. Uh, well, look, Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, and I think that um, clearly there's a real technical aspect of some of the stuff that we we, we spoke about. But for me, some of the two big things which uh, really stood out were. Firstly, being really, really clear on your why. Why are you doing content? If you can be really clear on your objectives, then it's much easier to work out, well, what's the right plan and what's the right sort of content and what's the right approach that I should take? And then the second bit, which I think is so, so important, is that uh, understanding of the customer journey and integrating of the, the the customer journey. I appreciate that in terms of how I'm looking at it is to give that sole, single point of ownership with marketing. but whether it's the single point ownership or whether it's that, the collective responsibility that you referred to, making sure there is a shared understanding of what that customer journey is and there is one version of that truth is immensely powerful in terms of making sure that you become sort of customer orientated. So as I said, thank you very, very much for for joining the podcast. Um, it's uh, been fantastic.
0: Pleasure. Thanks, Benny. Thanks for having me.
1: B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen agencycom You can stream B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.